namo tassa bhagavato arahato samma sambuddhassa namo tassa bhagavato arahato samma sambuddhassa namo tassa bhagavato arahato samma sambuddhassa utang tamang sanggang anutrang pajayang namasami Not reflecting on recently about uh, how much distress there can sometimes be carrying around a sense of self, self-importance, and concern about self or you know, how I regard myself, how others might regard me. So, like just just sitting here now and watching that that come up a bit, and speaking in front of people, it's. It has that same that same reaction, that same mood can come up with mind of sort of a sense of well, I hope I don't say anything dreadfully awful. <laughs> and I, um, I remember Ajahn Jeff one time saying how he talked about how the Buddha will give, will give talks, and it, it was um, almost every talk, about ninety five percent of the talk is the, the person was gladdened or uh, the person became a, a lay disciple for life or wanted to become a monk, and then in no short time, they were enlightened. And, uh, and then Ajahn Jeff said, you know, I must admit, I'd, I'd really like to give a talk where several people were enlightened. <laughs> yeah. I thought, I'm happy to give a talk where people don't leave the room. <laughs> but that's the, that's the sense of self. It's, um, it comes and it, it kind of makes uh, a series of like webs around experience, and then it, and then it draws in like on the you know essentially like the hindrances that were that are um, often causing a lot of confusion, like desire, desire to be liked, or a fear running away from the disliked, and especially especially like restlessness, and part of restlessness is, is remorse fearing something uh, as a negative repercussion from the past and it's uh, it's an interesting reflection on 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 self because it I'm so happy to be part of a tradition where there's an enormous amount of emphasis on the incredible unimportance of how we tie ourselves to to a notion of of what we are as as people what are Characteristics are um, how we're doing, uh, whether we look good. Because the Buddha really pointed to that as, as a sense of distress, as causing a lot of um, burden on the mind, and I can certainly identify with that. And I, re- I remember um, an example of that would be like, when I was young, I, I didn't, I can't remember what, what my mom's remarks were about this, but we were in a, uh, an office with a, a rabbi at a temple that we belonged to. And, and he said, you know, you really should be concerned about what others think of you. And uh, I had a, you know, I had a sort of a, a big mouth, as I still do, and I just said, why, why, why should I be concerned about what others think of me? And then the, I don't remember what his answer was, and, I, and my mom tried to explain to me and I, I can't remember exactly what she said, but that, that was something I thought about for a long time afterwards, you know, to be concerned with what others think. And I, and I think, you know, a little bit had to do with reputation and just th- people thinking well of you. 
but that that very notion of you and and and, and me that sense of what I am is um, it's such a fluctuating thing it doesn't in the end it's not it's not really so important of others perceptions it doesn't it really doesn't matter so much but it does matter if we have compassion for others and we think about how we're affecting each other uh, and it does matter if we see our how we're behaving and, and how others perceive us in terms of inspiration how we can be a uh, guides to each other and, and helpful in that way so when you know when I received te- teachings much later on in my life like um, from Ajahn Pasano who through another monk he had, he had suggested uh, to this monk who then related what Lumpur Pasano had said was it's really important to be willing to be misunderstood and thinking about that that's really uh, that's had a very strong effect on my practice that sense of, of identifying where it is that I'm holding the self, uh, holding my my view of myself, or or even being concerned about what others think, uh, how really unimportant it is, and to be willing to be with the discomfort when somebody says something negative about me, or or I don't really know where someone's coming from, some confusion might arise. Um, and just that reflection of self that comes up and see it is, is really uh, an illusion as something that I'm creating. I mean, this example I've been giving about what other people think, think we, we really have no idea what other people think you know, unless we've, we've penetrated quite deeply in our practice and we can encompass other people's minds with our own mind. I do not have that ability. And even so, that ability would come from a very calm and peaceful mind. Uh, so it, it wouldn't wouldn't necessarily be affected at all. And so that, you know, it, it, it's, it's an understanding that as human beings we're, you know, we're, we're very, we're sensitive. You know, we're, this is a sense realm um, we've been born into and uh, we have, have our five visceral senses and, and our mind as well as the sixth sense and, and we're, we're often very much affected by our, our outside environment. But this, the, the belief in that as a substantial reality uh, is, is often what, what's causing the problem with, with uh, the sense of, of ourselves, who we think ourselves or perceive ourselves to be, as being solid, something that is immutable, that's unchanging. This is who I am. And so that, that quality of, of willing to be misunderstood is also a quality of willing to watch our misperceptions around what we think we are and you know, how, how we conceive ourselves to be. And this is, you know, this is the foundational practice that the Buddha is, uh, is encouraging us to follow, really to see that when we have a notion of, of permanence around our own experience, around how we think the world works or how we perceive our, ourselves to be or others or whatever it might be, um, our sense of interpreting this, uh, the senses of what it is we like, what it is we don't like, uh, this is who I am. It always comes from a, uh, a sense of trying to solidify our experience as something that uh, we have control over or, or that is predictable. Or we even mask it to the point of thinking, well, then, and then everything will be happy, and then I'll be all right when I do this and that, and I fulfill all my, my lists of needs then there won't be any problems. But I, you know, I found in my own 
practice that that very concept of of seeking a finish to whatever it is I'm doing or whatever problem I might have, the perception that I'm going to finish it, I'm going to get it right, it's going to work out, uh, everything's going to be just fine. It's all, it never turns out that way. It doesn't mean anything, it's a disaster, but it uh, it's just the plans don't seem to to solidify or work just as, as I thought they might be. That's something that's almost 100% predictable, actually, which is the irony, uh, because I want it to be predictable the other way. So the, the, the Buddhist teachings are really pointing to um, how when, we, when we're attached to outcomes from attached to uh, our sense of self, or solidity, or permanence, then we have distress and uh, discontent and um, the sense of things just not really being right. But when we're okay with the vicissitudes in life, when we're okay with difficulties as they arise, we're just being able to watch and notice our own experiences, then what arises is a, a sense of, of being okay, of, of actual contentment, not really finding a problem in whatever it is we're perceiving. So I've, I found um, living the monastic life has, has brought this to the fore in, in many ways, uh, as long as I'm willing to, to look at it and, and be willing to, to learn from it and, and try to understand it. Especially this can be found in, in the relationships that, um, that I have with the other the peers that I live with, like the other monks, and, and as well, most foundationally, with um, the elder teachers that I've had. So it's you know it's it's um, students can can often sometimes be concerned with their their teacher or, you know what's going on with him I'm not sure he's he looked at me funny or something like that and and just to to be able to be witness to that experience and rather than trying to figure out and and how oh, is he upset with me today did I say something what did I say oh it must have been that stupid thing I did yesterday. And then, uh, and then all of a sudden, the mind can grasp onto this reality, this story around something I did, and I go and apologize, and I don't really know what you're talking about. <laughs> oh. So that the the ability to to just be with our experience is um, is so helpful because then it it gets it gets that 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 sense of of uh, delusion. It it sort of starts to to fall away a bit. It's like the reality is, well, I don't really know, you know, what's going on, you know, most of the time anyway, you know, but I can know my experience. You know, I have thousands of interpretations about what I'm perceiving from, from my sense of the world. These five, five senses in the, in the mind. But what, what I can know is, is what that, what that actually is like, what that present moment experience is like. And that's not very confusing at all. If I, you know, if I have what what I was speaking about earlier during the meditation as an, an anchor, developed a, a place where I, I feel very comfortable being, and that's where that's where real uh, really like a refuge is developed, where where a sense of of coming back to awareness of what our experience is really relieves that sense of confusion or or uh, delusion. Or getting caught up in, in emotions, or liking or disliking, because it, it just seems it seems so real. I love uh, how Ajahn Sumedho just sums up 
quite a bit of this by saying, whenever I think about myself, I feel depressed. And, and so he's pointing at actually the opposite, which is when he doesn't put a lot of thoughts about himself and his life and, and this and that and what's wrong, then he can go, come back to a point where that, that's very much seen clearly. It's just, it's just sort of what the mind does. It tries to make assumptions and propositions, and um, there are all kinds of, uh, as Achin Jeff says, like committee members in the head trying to say, you know, this is what this means, or this is this is a, an intention to follow. And uh, when we're really clear with with what's present for us, and we can say, oh, actually, maybe that's not the right intention to follow. So, like for example, coming to um, experiences I've had as a monk, like I just, there's been some times where like like I've just been sitting in the room with with some of the monks and over the years, and and there's just some sort of banter coming up, and then just watching the mind when it kind of like raise its hands up, say, look at me, I have something to say, something important, I can add to this. And just watching that kind of, I mean, it's never that dramatic, but, but that, that sense of like, really me comes up there, like I want to say something, there's something important that needs to be added to this conversation. And so no, you know, really reflecting what's more peaceful. And then I can watch that struggle going on, it's like, well, this would be really funny if I said this, or, oh, that's funny, I have a similar story about this. And it just keeps on going. It's like samsara, it's just on and on. And there is a tension that I notice when, when I'm watching that, that sense of self come up. But the having the intention to then move towards peace, cessation, you know, that, that there's, there's something actually quite helpful in just in just being aware and, and understanding that how these intentions are working, then ironically what arises is a sense of satisfaction. That you know that I haven't fallen again for you know this this kind of desire to to be something to be you know important or heard or have a particular view. That's one of the very thick concepts, thick uh, sort of work that, that, that I see as a, in monastic life and community life that's, that's really helpful is, is just working on views and opinions. Because it's one thing to have a view, but then it's another thing to be really attached to that view and to say, no, I am right. And they're wrong. They should, you know, they, they should see my point of view. Let me explain it a little bit more. Mm-hmm. And that, that often doesn't work. It's not very helpful. So then when, when the awareness of this, the you know, mindfulness is, would just be bringing up an object of awareness that's, that's very helpful when I'm seeing a sense of self come up. And that can be uh, any, of the, you know, any of the methods the Buddha talked about too, that we can apply mindfulness to, whether it's watching an object in our body or watching you know, using metta or really breaking down the self if we need to with our, you know, just watching our body, what's our body really made of? And it's just these, these four elements, you know, earth, air, fire, water, it's, it's a bunch of parts. It's not anything so, so very special. And that can actually bring a lot of, you know, a lot of peace. Because the mind starts to withdraw from something that it was valuing, which is sort of out there in, in, in the external world to, to 
something that is is more valued inside. And I find it I find it actually uh, quite interesting. You know, what is it about peace that is that can seem so unimportant at times? You know, like uh, you think as a monk, like oh yeah, you know, monks might or you might think uh, that that uh, monastics in general are like really striving towards this this practice but I can I can find a lot of times where I ask myself like am I really valuing this practice as an end to suffering as a means toward towards enlightenment was the end of suffering and I can say oh yeah no, no right now I'm not that's not that's not the value that I've I placed on where my where my intentions are leading and so to you know really look into that and say what is it what is it about my intentions in this moment that are not leading towards peace that are are finding that peace is not a, a very valuable experience that that I want to want to bring in and often it's of course looking at the looking at these hindrances looking at greed looking at at aversion you know not wanting or liking and seeing those are just they're just impersonal habits and just knowing how amazing it is that, you know, just the continuing falling for, like liking when it doesn't really, it doesn't add up to much. It's sort of just insubstantial. How many good meals, you know, fun conversations, whatever it might be, it's, it's sort of, it's like just seeing the mind kind of falling for the trick again. And then having an interest in that, it's like, oh, what's that, what's, you know, what's that really about? Because peace, the times that I've experienced peace, whether in, in each day or just as, you know, throughout my life, it's always been so much more pleasant and less confusing, clear. Uh, there's been a, a sense of spaciousness, openness, when things, you know, cease, when there's, you know, an end to the proliferation. Or, or as, as thoughts arise, just seeing them clearly cease. It's, there's, there's something so pleasant about that. And yet, so the mind is continually working back and forth between, you know, getting excited about something, interested in something, something out there, becoming something, getting better, improving. And then, oh yeah, I forgot about peace again. So I think I think it's actually quite um, a good exercise to uh, to to bring to mind just throughout the day, throughout our times of uh, you know formal practice as we're uh, working with objective meditation. You know where you know really what is it that we're we're valuing in this moment? You know, it's a it's a, I think a ripe field for investigation. You know, am I, am I valuing a sense of self? Of, of my story, of me, of how I want to create the world around me? Or is there, or is there uh, a sense of valuing, like letting that go, allowing that to be, allowing that to cease? And if not, and I mean, of course, that's very common, what, you know, what's that about? What is, what's not really being seen clearly? So I think that's, uh, that's probably good enough for now, but if anybody had any questions or comments, please feel free to ask.
guess in terms of work, I, I guess I try to f- figure out what, I guess, the, I call it extra baggage, but I think you're talking about the you know, self and opinions and views, because, you know, I find it with work, well, there's things that need to get done, and there's a way in which me as a person at work needs to facilitate that, but... You know, my uh, I get stressed out above and beyond. I guess what actually you know needs to happen or should happen. I guess it's actually the uncertainty that sometimes happens, and then the self arises to deal with the uncertainty. And I guess so. <laughs> I'm wondering whether you've had that experience, or or you know, you as a monk have duties. Where is that place where there's kind of real-world demands and then, you know, the sorting out what's self-view and what's, okay, i got to put myself into this? Well, uh, what do you mean by putting yourself into it? Um, I guess I'm trying to sort out what's... Well, I guess it's maybe the emotional parallel of of um, the two arrows, the two arrows story. There's mm-hmm. like, you know, here's a demand placed on me because of the various work situations or the expectations of others and of myself in this work situation. Right. And then there's me trying to figure out shooting second and third and fourth arrows because of the uncertainties or th- things right. work being a mess basically you know yeah. things happen that you don't expect and so I guess that's my experience do you have any <laughs> parallel experience where there's the just trying to even figure out what part of it is the second third and fourth arrow versus okay this is you know a demand placed on me that doesn't feel so great um, but I put on extra baggage you know I think I think the first at least just from what I'm hearing at first, is it's it's an interesting field of investigation to think of demand placed on me, mm. because it's that me that I was I was referring to in the talk. Uh, so there is a demand, right? But like, but thinking what what we get caught up in and what I get caught up in, like you know, for example, like I'm sure many people have heard me talk about this kitchen project was just um, yeah, I was like it was demanding. Right, and as much as I, as much as I said, you know, why, why does this have to be so difficult, and why can't the contractor get it right, and why, mm. why don't I, why, why can't uh, it just flow more evenly, and, and why am I so stressed about it, and, and it's like because of I, you know, because I, I've, I've actually added that whole thing into it instead of like um, there is this stress, there is this difficulty, this is what the experience is, right? It's sort of this is life. This is normal. Mm. Like, but I'm a monk, you know. I shouldn't have to be, you know. Or, or I should deal with this better, or, or really, you know, yeah, yeah, or, yeah or, or or why am I why am I having to manage this project? Why did I take on this stupid project? And um, nobody else is working as hard as me, and you know, they should be. Can't somebody like just help me out or something? Or can't it go better? And, and me, 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 me. And so the the, the main perceptual shift I think is is for me to just see like well it's okay like it's just all the problems that I'm experiencing with this is because of me right it's not because 
of uh, the problems themselves. The problems are just problems, right? But it's it's the fact that I have an expectation that it should be different, that people should be, you know, should listen to me once when I say, okay, can you please do this? And then I come back and they did exactly differently, you know, or opposite or whatever. And it's like, why? You know, they, because they don't respect me or whatever. Whatever the line comes up at is it's just, it's just silly. So one thing is to acknowledge that work is stressful, right? That's why it's called work. And that it is stressful. But you, you kind of nail it on the point there. You talked about the second arrow. And it's really, it's really, work is stressful. It's stressful dealing with people and projects and timelines and expectations about what we need to do and how good we're going to be doing them, you know, how perfect we are. But then we, we add this sense of, of me around it, you know, like how, you know, like all of the things that we expect should be different because this is, this is how I perceive myself to be. You know, I'm a person who doesn't get flustered. It doesn't get stressed. I'm a person who has things go right. And people, when they listen to me or whether they, they should, or they, they, they don't do it, they better. Uh, just, I just want to say it once and then it gets done. And, you know, all these things are me. It has to do with like this sense of like who I am and how I expect things should be. And, and so to acknowledge like it's impermanent, there's no control. There's no person there kind of, you know, manipulating things or, or changing things for us. It's, it's sort of our perception of that for ourselves to think that we have control. It's, it's again, that, that permanent perception of who we are. So for this, this, this project uh, that I was dealing with, it was, it was kind of like I, I kept the thought kept coming up like I'm a monk. I shouldn't be doing this. Right. And I actually it actually came from another monk talking about how this is the hidden cost of like having you as the project manager is like now it's like stressful and we we said well we're saving money by not having a project manager we have chemical and myself doing it together and and it's uh it's just seen as kind of like yeah monks shouldn't be doing that we should really be trying to focusing you know focus on in our practice and it's that's true but also the practice is in this experience, it is in noticing the painful, difficult experiences. So, like, if I if I had sort of abandoned the whole thing, which I thought of doing many, many times, you know, just like, oh, I'll just it'll be figured out. I just won't be involved anymore. Then, then it, it, it it's more a sense of of like that, like, well, this is how I'm going to be not stressed anymore, and you know, find completion, and it'll be all finished. And you know, I have that thought too, like when I finish this. And when it's finished, then there won't be stress. Everything will be wonderful. It's like writing a paper in school or something. When the paper's done, then, well, there's another paper, you know. And it's it's just, it's like life is just ongoing like that. It's sort of like we're impinged upon because we have these senses, right? But it's, it's as much as we hold that sense of ourselves. It's like, this is who I am. These are the things I should or shouldn't be experiencing. And this is how I'm going to resolve it is by through worldly means, through controlling, through getting other people to behave in certain ways which doesn't ever work, uh, or do certain things which also doesn't doesn't work out because we don't have control. And that's that's really the Buddhist uh, notion around anatta, is if you think that, that there is a sense of self, you would have control over that self. That's his sort of, his notion of self that's, that's so important but unreal, is we don't have control. We don't have control over it. 
if we if we thought that that our ourself was a sort of permanent entity a being that was like transmigrating from through life or even just this one life then we would be able to say you know don't get sick i wouldn't get sick or don't have these opinions or don't do this or that but there is there's a notion we have of self but it's not it's not substantial it's just sort of melts away into thin air so when we when we start working more with just seeing that this is what what life is it's just whatever is presenting us and then we look to our experience as pointing to clarity you know that's where we can we can know things that's where we can see things so like thinking i have control over uh, how this outcome is going to occur if i just do this and this it'll be perfect it'll just end up like that it doesn't end up that way but if we see oh um if i do this then i'll watch my experience you know i don't i'll watch my expectations or i won't do this and i'll just see what happens then we have then we have a very right field of just being aware of, of what our experience is without trying to do anything about it and it doesn't mean non-action it just means that while we're acting we're okay with what we're experiencing so like this is okay it's okay that somebody's complaining about me because they they think i i messed up at work or it's okay that i failed in this project and i was really trying hard you know everybody's failing everybody's kind of screwing up and but but we all think that we're not supposed to be that way and then we have our perceptions of self then that inform us this is how this is how I'm supposed to be so i just think the answer is for me like you're asking about do i have these these issues yeah they're they're coming up all the time but seeing them as part of what i'm doing seeing them as part of the practice you know it's like you can juxtapose it to like well sitting is the practice that's all you do you just sit and you uh, understand the greed hatred and delusion and you um and then you have these insights and then everything's fine well actually there's a lot more processing that goes on in daily life that's much richer and and uh and where you can you can actually have some major influences on on how you're you're working with you know really understanding dukkha really understanding impermanence and self when you're when you're when you're in those difficult situations they're very rich they're very uh like like letting go of a view when you're when you're you really believe in it is is quite painful when you're talking to somebody it's a bit easier and and also sometimes diluting if you're doing it when you're just like sitting in meditation and i'm also not advocating that that formal practice isn't important so i would i would say they're both extremely important just how we're acting but but that's what you know work is and it really is a, a sort of a field for investigation so if you see it that that way then stress no longer becomes stress it becomes oh this is the dhamma it's arisen you know it's right here for me to see and why did i think i why did, did i come to did i kind of apply for this job and just and say to the person who was interviewing me hey when i'm at this job i better not feel any stress all right so i have some serious expectations about this are you going to be able to fulfill this you know if you went up to your employer and you said that now i'm saying I never said anything about promising you that and if you had asked me I probably wouldn't have hired you. So it's just sort of like it's not welcoming stress but it's being okay with the fact that it arises. Like like um I I wouldn't want you to think like well I uh, I should just go looking for trouble. You know I should really find these these opportunities to really get get into some really ugly stuff. No. It's it's always going to find you. You don't have to worry about it. It's not uh, stress will be there. 
but changing the perception uh, just as a reminder, like the old perceptions would keep coming up all the time. But if you're able to change the perception, like every day, like just add a little, oh, this is okay. You know, what what is it about it that I'm feeling is not okay? You know, and then you and then you watch that, and you watch that experience. Also, that the, there's a sense that like people have like contentment arises out of sort of making yourself content. Like I just need to be content right now. Okay, be content. But contentment is actually arising when you watch discontent. That's what contentment is. It's just being okay with discontent. And so you watch it, and then, and then, oh yeah, there's nothing wrong here. And that's where the freedom, you know, arises, and and then you feel a lot less stressful. I don't know if that makes yeah. sense at all. Yeah. Well, so there's a way in which the, you know the, these perceptions, these conditioned perceptions just are so engaging when you're talking about, you know, the kind of witnessing or stepping back from them and seeing them. It's just kind of... Well, it's like, you know, people who are used to interacting a lot with each other, um, whether it's at work or family members, um, couples, whatever it is, it's sort of like, um, without the Dhamma, it's sort of like habit, 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 and sometimes explosion. Right, and you just you just can't see it if you're not looking. Like it's just like these automatic habits occur. You know, this can occur with the monks I live with or whatever. It's like oh, I can't believe I fell for that one again. And it's not there's nothing evil about it or anything. It's just normal life. It's like we we have ways of being with each other, and then um, we sort of like develop like yeah, this is familiar. This is familiar. And then, and then we get into trouble around it. So it's like it's sort of stepping back and seeing that as an impersonal experience, not not really so important or, or you know like this is me, this is who I am, and, and it's it's just saying, oh, this is just this is just sort of normal. Is how how it works when when just intentions are sort of followed and not seen clearly, and and there's a lot of intentions all day long, and we're aware of some of them, and we're we're not aware of others, and. And uh, some of them are good, some of them are not so good, some of them are kind of neutral. And the more that we can pay attention to them, then we don't get into that sort of habitual sense of, of uh, interactions. And we put like a um, some space in there or something, you know, just getting a little space with people, like sort of, you know, like before you speak, just like waiting a second or two. I was just with a, a Dhamma teacher at uh, Spirit Rock Meditation Center, and I really I've admired him for a long time. And one of the things that I I saw just in my time with him was he, as a conversation, the conversation sort of seemed like it was winding down. He just he just quieted down. Right? He just kind of sat quiet, rather than it was like, alrighty then, okay, it was nice speaking to you. Yeah, it was nice speaking to you too. Okay, thanks. He just there was just this quiet, and then I, at least through uh, my own experience well, okay I can I can be with that you know and, and then and then the quiet just sort of naturally ended the conversation um, and it wasn't abrupt or anything it was just like it was already coming to this natural conclusion and then the quiet between the both of us just said okay but that's I think that's very rare I don't know I just see that very rarely in people it's sort of a a willingness to be quiet with each other for a moment it just seems so awkward but just 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 sitting quietly with another person is uh, 
it's really um, it just there's so much there's a, there's a lot of um, experience that comes out of that. So yeah, what, what do I expect is supposed to be happening right now? And there's quite a lot of discomfort that occur, can occur. So in a monastery, that happens you know happens a fair amount. You're just sort of sitting next to somebody, you're not talking, just waiting. You walk by somebody and your your eyes are down or their eyes are down and there's no interaction. Well, everything's okay. Everything's fine, you know, it's, it's supposed to be working that way. It's it's alright to to, to to live in a place where there isn't that that need to always like exchange or like kind of check in. Are we alright? I don't know. Is there a problem? The problem with not knowing. It's sort of an interesting perception. We come into the room, do some chanting, and we sit. And that makes sense. We're sitting, we're paying attention, we know what happens. And then we're in a situation like this where I'm you know, giving a talk and there's an expectation around around that. Someone's talking, listening, and then deal with some questions and and then there's quiet. You know, what's that quiet like? What's that, that experience of quiet like? Because during the other times, there's sort of expectations about what's going to happen. You know, we're going to, we've just chanted and we're going to sit and there's going to be a bell that rings and we talk. You know? And then all of a sudden, there can be a silence or even like giving a talk and there's a silence, there's a period of, of quiet. Then and it's just, it's sort of like what, you know, I just watch my own mind, like what comes next? Nothing comes next. Well, something has to come next. You know, there's a room full of people here. And then and just watching that, it's, it's so pleasant. Because um, the unpleasant part is like, okay, I have to, I have to do something. Or, or you know, or conversely, like question I have to ask a question or I have to say something. But that 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 quiet that we give each other is is uh, it's usually helpful. And so when you know when we when I, I see guests who come to the monastery and they're and they, they may have come together and might know each other and they're just kind of in an in a social area like the, the room over there, and they're just sitting quietly, and eyes are down, not interacting much. Wow, okay, that's, this is a beautiful place. You know, it's okay for people to do that. It's not only okay, it's sort of like, that's, that's what's encouraged. And then that bolsters everybody else, because then, oh yeah, this is really what, uh, what I'm supposed to be doing, I forgot. Supposed to be running around taking care of all these activities, or no, it's just watching patiently. Yeah, being able to be with silence is quite a. Um, it's 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 extraordinary, really, because there's so much in the world is telling us not to not to be like that. Especially whenever we're around other people, like sitting in a restaurant alone, or. You know, being on a plane and not doing anything. You know, not having your device out or reading paper. Or just 
there's so many messages we're given that that's not okay. But it's definitely it's definitely something that's okay. And if and if we're not doing that, then we we, we just get involved in confusion, illusion. So I think we could uh, have a little cessation.